Catechism for the Church, Volume 1, and Chapter 67, Two Crowns. And before we get started, um, Tori, would you mind saying a word of prayer for us? Your mic, your, your mic, you need to unmute your mic. Can you guys hear me now? Yes. yes uh, amen, amen, let's pray. Mind saying a word of prayer for us? Yes, let's pray. Father in heaven, one more time. We assemble, Lord, upon the, your, the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray, oh God, that you will anoint this lesson for us to learn from and give us wisdom that we may apply, that we will grow stronger, that we can do better, and that we become more effective witnesses for thee. That's our prayer. So bless your teachers now. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good to so, see you, brother. <laughs> you, man. All right. <laughs> Um, as I said, we're studying from Testimonies for, for the Church, Volume 1, Chapter 67, uh, Two Crowns. Um, let me just ask the question first. Um, did anything stand out to anyone in this chapter that got a chance to read it? Just how up to date it is, written back in the 1800s, but it applies today just like it was tomorrow or yesterday. You know what? And that's so funny because uh, I was looking at uh, Walter Pearson last night and, and all, all the while while we've been showing it. And it is just so amazing how relevant and how timely everything is. Mm -hmm. you know, even though he did that about 14 years ago, it is just amazing how relevant everything is. And the things that he says, it's like, okay, how, would, how could you have possibly known back then that this was gonna, that was going to be happening now? You know, that sounds kind of funny because <clears throat> he did that 14 years ago, but the Bible was thousands of years ago. And it's absolutely <laughs> so it's based on God's principles. They never change. Right. Right. And that is what is so amazing. It's a living word of God. So just like, um, you know, we were well, I'm going to say that say it like this. We were relevant 10 years ago or 20 years ago. We're still <laughs> relevant now. Because we are living and the word of God is living. And that's just the wonderful thing about it is that it, it, it is for all people uh, in all generations, across all nationalities and, and, and countries and everything. And that is what is so wonderful about the word of God. I think, I think, I think it no was- No one struck me. Uh, go ahead, O'Neill, I'm sorry. I don't know if it's, I don't remember if it's in Matthew 7 that the Lord says that I change not, you know, um, and just looking at it, the, the same message that was preached, but then you realize that it's, it's basically the same thing is preached right now. Mm, and um, it is important to us as it was back then. And um, just, just, just as our, um, you know, the methods, the methods can be changed. Our method of, our methods can be changed, but, mm -hmm. but definitely the message is still the same, you know. Um, and and I think that's 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 important to know that you know, um, even though you know they are from the past, 
you know, we, we still can find things from them that can help to make us uh, better and really do it in our time today. Absolutely. And the word of God is about principles for living. And so those principles don't change just because the generations change or the times change or any of that. That all remains relevant. It all remains binding. It all remains those things that we're going to be ultimately judged on. I'm the Lord. I change not. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What I thought about this, um, about this passage, you know, I was really looking forward to it because I read it and I was sick the week it was supposed to be done, you know. But what mm -hmm. I thought about it was how vivid she was. She wrote, you know, about people, you know, grasping for this crown and, you know, trying to get this crown and stuff. And it was really just so vivid that it left such a profound impression on me. I was really looking forward, really looking forward to discussing Okay. Brought up in here. Great. So let me just ask you, since you were talking about that, what two crowns is she talking about? Well, she's talking about one one crown is the crown that Jesus, that God gives us because of mm -hmm. our to him. And then the other crown is the one we're grasping for here on earth to be seen of men. So it's uh, um, worldliness and stuff. So the riches here on earth. Wow. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So uh, in the first, very first paragraph, we see that basically she was shown, um, I guess, the people of the earth. Um, she, mm -hmm. she was vision back in October of 1861. And she was shown the earth, which, of course, was our dark planet. Mm -hmm. And an angel told her to look carefully. And then she saw the people on the earth. And some were surrounded by God's angels. And others were in total darkness, surrounded by evil angels. Ooh, that, that just makes me shudder just at the thought of that. And then she saw an arm reach down from heaven holding a golden scepter. And on the top of the scepter was a crown studded with diamonds. And every diamond emitted light, bright, clear, and beautiful. And inscribed on the crown were these words, all who win me are happy and shall have everlasting life. Which crown was that, Lakita? Uh, that was the crown of God. That's what we mm -hmm. are. God is and then somebody explained the second crown in the next paragraph. What was the second crown? Um, this one, this one was the um, earthly crown that we, you know, we're all trying to get to the riches and fame. Mm -hmm. And what was? How did she describe that one? She said there was another scepter, and upon this also was placed a crown, in the center of which were jewels, gold, and silver, reflecting some light, but not all mm -hmm. Godhead. The inscription mm -hmm. on the crown was earthly treasure. Riches is power. All who win me have honor and fame. Mm. A vast mm. money rushing forward to obtain this crown. You see how vivid this is. You know, you can mm -hmm. see, mm -hmm. um, and I try yeah. to keep it personal. I can see myself in that group of people just rushing towards it, you know, and it's like, oh Lord help us, you know. And what when you think what she says down here, they were clamorous for this. Yes. What 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 does clamorous make you think of? I mean, what, can, what kind of activity does that make? Absolutely. Down, trampling folk down. Absolutely. Don't care, ready to kill somebody. You know, if you get in my way, I'm going to cut your head off to get over you. Just right, right. Almost like, like um, uh, almost like somebody saying shots fired in a mall. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's running. Yeah, yeah. I you know, a sports arena, you know how sports arenas are kind of closed off and, and you got, you know, you walk around, you know, and stuff. And I think somebody, Something and it's crowded and it's packed and there's people coming in, people going out and um, 
someone, like you say, shoots off a, a machine gun and everybody just start running every which way. Just mm-hmm. trying to get. Maybe an even more vivid picture, since we're talking about earthly riches, is uh, 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 maybe a, a Brinks truck that, that, that wrecked and money is flying everywhere. And people are scrambling, cars are, are, are stopping, and people are scrambling to grab some of the money that's flying everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's actually happened in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Money fell out the back of a, a Brinks truck and people were just clamoring. I remember mm-hmm. we used to go to uh, Lone Park and we used to throw bread out there in the water and you should see the fish like piranhas just all fighting and trying to get just a little crumbs Yes, 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 absolutely. And so that's what that's the vision that I get very similar to that, Paul, of clamoring for this earthly crown. And it says she says that 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 some in their eagerness, they just lacked all reason. They just, you know, they just thrust one another, crowding back those who were weaker than they and trampling on those who in their haste fell, which kind of makes me think about you know, when they used to, when they would, there would be a fire in a nightclub and everybody's mm-hmm. trying to get out. And then mm-hmm. at the end, you see all these people trampled to death because mm-hmm. people were just, just, if they fell, they just walked right over them. Mm-hmm. Um, that reminded me of uh, back in the day, I went to a, a music concert. <clears throat> so I was down at the music concert, big crowd of people and everything. And somebody set off fireworks, but everybody thought it was a gunshot, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody take off running for the door. It was like a big mob, you know, I wasn't even trying to run, but they was pushing me and I had to run or be trampled over. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, somebody grabbed me and pulled me close to a big strong pillar that was holding the foundation of the building. And nobody could touch me then because I was by the foundation in the pillar. And wow. I- it was my brother. He happened to be at the same concert. And wow. How amazing. That's how we have to be with Christ. Stick close to the big, strong pillar, the foundation, and we don't have to worry about the world trampling after riches. Absolutely. That's a, that's, wow, that's an amazing story, Lee. Good thing your brother was there, huh? <laughs> yeah, praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so she said that the, the second crown, the inscription on it was was earthly treasures, mm-hmm. you know, and all who all who win me have honor and fame, and just just thinking about it and and looking at reality, of how much people are famous, all the famous people and who are wealthy people. So, so basically, these people who have this crown. Um, she said that they were in total darkness. So my question is, um, is it all who have fame and riches are in darkness? No, the, Bi- so. the Bible says that the love of money is the very roots, the foundation, the epicenter of all evil. That's what the Bible says. It didn't say money. It said the love of it. The people mm-hmm. clamor for it. The people mm-hmm. who will do ill-gotten gain, just do whatever they can to obtain money at the mm-hmm. expense of everything else. Money is their God. So right. that's what this is talking about. Because if you're a good steward, God's going to bless you. There are many people in the Bible that God blessed with right. riches. 
Abraham, Job, Solomon, all of them were wealthy in their time. Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. So, but I watched the majority of the people on this earth, that's what they clamor for is the almighty dollar. And at the very end, that's what God is telling us. We have to return a faithful tithe and offerings because if you can't trust them with the 10% and whatever your offering is, you're never going to trust them with your life as soon as the government starts to put the clamps on you just a little bit, then you see where your real trust is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was watching a session on uh, this particular talk <laughs> that we're having today on written the written word of God and what they illuminated to in terms of returning our tithe and our offering. He said that he would supply all our needs. He didn't say that he'd give us all our wants. These are people who are in wanting and he said the happiness, the joy of returning all your tithe and your authoring is what uh, allows you to be in tune and in touch with God. God is now revealing to you that he is still caring for you regardless of what, whether it's poor, whether it's rich, whether it's in between. The fact that you're returning it out to him, you're doing it because you love him. And because of that love, you're willing to extend it to others across the board. And that's the difference between this crowd and the, and the crowd that's uh, where it says she had inscripted on her that they will be happy and have everlasting life. You know what? I was um, did a study and um, Percy mentioned the word wanting, you know, and it's uh, I was I'm doing a study on the um, on um, the Psalm 20, the 23rd Psalm. And it says I shall not want. Well, I looked up the word want, and one of the definitions is craving and demanding. You know, and so if we look at that, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be craving and demanding stuff. So that's kind of where um, I thought that was an interesting thing when he was saying that these people are in want, you know. Well, as you know, it says on here, I saw, I'm sorry, all who win me have honor and fame, but that's only fleeting honor and fame. That's merely earthly honor and fame. But what the other crown's offering is eternal honor and fame. But people don't look at it that way. It's like um, they just focused on the temporary as well instead of the eternal and willing to do anything for it. But when you get it, realize it didn't really matter. It's all just an illusion. When you realize and think about the truth of it, money's just paper. It's printed paper. And they print more every day. But at some point, money's gonna be useless and all the people who have fought and killed over it are gonna be sorry that at that time. Mm -hmm. No, but my question and, really was, uh, well, my question really was to find out if, if these persons are in total darkness, you know, because you think about all these people who have all this money, Bill Gates and all those people, uh, Michael Jackson, even though he's passing gone. Um, do, do I think, I, I, I think, no, I'm go sorry, ahead. go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just saying that do we consider these people to be in total darkness? And I think it goes back to what Paul said that it, if, if they loved money, that's one thing. There are plenty of very rich people who generously give to charitable causes and give to the poor. And so they're not hoarding it. They're not trying to hold on to it. They realize that they have been blessed for a reason, and that is to bless other people. And so... Yeah, and also on it says there was some light that some of the people did have light, but they were still busy chasing after the earthly riches. 
And it's not that they're in total darkness because God has promised us, he said, in this word, this gospel shall be preached into all the world for a witness. In other words, they will know, they will understand. They're not in darkness. They just refuse to come out of it. So it basically said that a lot of these people who are clamoring were so-called Christians. And I had to put the word so-called, but you realize that uh, the, the God, God says, thou should have no other gods before me. That was the very first commandment. And it says, uh, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Mm -hmm. So God tells us to examine ourselves. Who is it that is, takes preeminence in your life? And you take inventory of your own personal situation. What is the priority in your life? You know, because we can be self-deceived just because we don't have millions of dollars. You know, there could be a lot of poor folks in hell too. You know, mm -hmm. so uh, mm -hmm. what are you clamoring for? What are you reaching for? The proverbial pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that you can never reach. It's just right out of your reach. You're like, I'm almost there. If I can just do this, are you spending so much time, you know, trying to invent ways of how I can gain wealth? Because Satan has so deceived people that say, if I have money, then that's going to be the answer to all life's problems. All life's woes is money. But there have been many millionaires that committed suicide. So that's definitely not the answer. Well, a good example of is the rich young ruler who was rich mm -hmm. and who had desire to follow Christ but was not willing to give up or sacrifice his richness. So mm -hmm. he turned away and walked away. Mm -hmm. Good point. Good point. Mm -hmm. Another example another example too is uh, if you think about it, uh Jeff Bezos, world's richest man. You know, but a lot of people working at Amazon are at minimum wage and not getting paid a lot and he doesn't want to give them benefits or overtime and if you've seen that big old warehouse, it's mostly run by robots. So that gives him more right. money. Instead but now contrast to him, his ex-wife. He just keeps it. When he right. for a living wage, decent benefits, and still have a ton of money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let me read this next part of the second paragraph where we're talking about, and I think this will help define a little bit, the, the love of money. It says, many eagerly seized hold of the treasures within the crown and held them fast. The heads of some were as white as silver and their faces were furrowed with care and anxiety. Their own relatives, bone of their bone and flesh of their flesh, they disregarded. But as, as appealing looks were turned to them, they held their treasures more firmly as though fearful that in an unguarded moment, they should lose a little or be induced to divide it with them. Their eager eyes would often fasten upon the earthly crown and count and recount its treasures. Images of want and wretchedness appeared in that multitude and looked wistfully at the treasures there and turned hopelessly away as the stronger ones overpowered them and drove back the weaker ones. Yet they could not give it up thus, but with a multitude of deformed, sickly and aged, they sought to press their way to the earthly crown. Some died in seeking to reach it. Others fell just in the act of taking hold of it. Many had but just laid hold of it when they fell. Dead bodies strewed the ground, yet on rushed the multitude, trampling over the fallen and dead bodies of their companions. 
comment anybody? I had read before uh, Sister White was pointing out that there are a lot of people who think they would love to be rich, but they don't have that type of character to do all these things mm -hmm. just read, stomping on people and walking over dead bodies to get it. And uh, But that's a good thing that you don't have that type of character, you know? Those type of people, they're, re they're getting their reward now, but we're looking for a, a heavenly reward, not just an earthly reward. But as was mentioned before, not everyone who has money is evil or doesn't know about God. There are a lot of people who have money and they truly love the Lord. Those are the people you'll see giving to charities and donating to help other people. Because again, money is just a means to an end. When when it comes to it, money does absolutely no good unless you give it away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I so heard somebody to... say this recently. They said, you never see a U-Haul truck behind a hearse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But you have to think about Satan's master plan and how he's behind the scenes and creating all of this. And he's just, just laughing at how God's children are just fretting away their time and just seeking after these little trinkets. And he has so diminished what God has, is offering us in heaven and eternity and all the riches that money cannot buy. And we're clamoring after this little stuff down here. This is Satan's master plan right here. Mm -hmm. um, when, 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 I, when, I, when I heard it, when I read it, um, you know, what really, what comes to mind was, you know, black people here in America and, and how, you know, systems are put in place so that, you know, as African-Americans, we cannot, you know, um, reach a certain heights or make a certain money. Because you think about it, um, two person, a Caucasian white, black African-American go to college, same degree, get, get the same job, but yet still one is getting higher paid than the other. You know, I think of it as that aspect too, because, you know, they are craving for it. And you wonder why most of us, you know, don't live in some of those nice neighborhoods, you know, with some of the big houses. It's not that we don't work hard or we don't have the potential and ability, but it's just because, you know, the systems are there put in place to, to hold us down. So I look at it from that perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and then at the end of that second paragraph, she talks about what was the, what the response was of others to the ones that reached the earthly crown and possessed a share in it. What did she say that response was? It was loudly applauded by an interested company standing around it. They Absolutely. Were loudly applauded. Huh? They were loudly applauded. They mm -hmm. were. Mm -hmm. So. Arm bucks and everything else, right? So you would almost say that they had uh, what do they call it when when uh, 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 famous people have uh, what do they call that? Entourage. Entourage. That's one word, but um, uh, that's not the word I was looking for. But basically, they just encourage them on, and they, you know, they love what they're doing, and they love the fact that they've gotten. You know, uh, uh, um, famous people are followed around by just regular ordinary people because you know they want to. You know, they, they think that if they rub shoulders with them, some of it will rub off on them. I guess. You know what? Uh, when you were describing 
how um, the dead body strewn around uh, people who were mm -hmm. trying to get the crown and stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to bring this up, but we don't have to chase it down. That reminds me of what's going on in the White House right now. I mean, really, like, mm -hmm. I'm there. Yeah, all these people are dying and all this stuff is going on. But I, what I'm looking at now is how I can win the next election. When I know I've just misused and thrown away, squandered all these good opportunities to be helpful and stuff. So I think of a personality like that. You know, just, you know, I just don't care about nobody. I'm just going to just do what I can, just get whatever I can. Mm -hmm. Well, that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons why 45 was elected in the first place is because people saw him as a very successful businessman. That's how he portrayed himself. Even though if you really look at his records, you'll see a different picture. But people were saying in their minds, associating themselves, saying, well, if he's a millionaire, he can help me be a millionaire. And that's why a lot of the conservative people who are in dirt poverty will continue to vote against their own interests, thinking that, you know, some somehow I'll get, like like uh, Reagan said, the trickle down economics. That's the problem. It's just a trickle. <laughs> open the, open the or a ripple. It never, it never did trickle at all. <laughs> but trickle played out. Back, mm -hmm. back in the 50s, uh, you know, Hollywood was the biggest thing. And, you know, Satan always has a counterfeit for what God has. So he created what they call movie stars. You know, God uh, had his angels. So Satan was going to create his on earth. And they call them movie stars. And they have the, the, the walk of fame. And they put their star down on the, on the sidewalk. And people idolize them just saying, oh, just having these big dreams. If I could be a movie star one day, had the fame and fortune of, of all of that. And it, it's just fool's gold. Mm -hmm. And in the next chap, next paragraph, she says, a large company of evil angels were very busy. So people who are doing all these things that we read about are truly being led by the devil under his spell and just thinking under his spell, but thinking they're doing right, thinking that they're doing God's will and thinking that they're going to get ahead, but it all ends up in death. And uh, one, that's one thing we want to remember that it's just not worth it. For all that, you still end up eternally dead. But if we can just sacrifice, you know, our lives today for Christ, then he's promised to give us eternal life. That's what we got to focus on. And, you know, that brings to mind the scripture, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and then everything else will be added unto you. We do right. it the other way around. We seek all this other stuff and think that we're going to get the kingdom of heaven on the back end. Hmm. Tori, and, uh, all right. All right. Just make sure you're okay. Up there. <laughs> Not hearing you. Your mic is off, so we can't hear you. I'm fine. I'm just gathering all the information, just listening. Uh, oh. uh, just for your spiritual growth. And that's it for right now. All right. I'll comment a little later. All right. Okay. So down in the middle of that paragraph, she talks about the many of the people who sought after it. Who, who were they? Christians. And what kind of light did they have? Christian, some of the Christian people, some of the person who go to church 
every mm-hmm. Sunday and every Sunday, you know, participate in a service, mm-hmm. you know, but um, they, they, they didn't have the light fully, you know, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it is evidence, not, not only in others' life, but even in our life, in my life too, sometimes, you know, you, you, you reach for the heavens with one hand and the other hand just try to grab the things of the earth. So mm-hmm. it, it, I think it's just, I think it's, it's just relevant and things that we can apply. You know, we can see these things and just, you know, try to make, try to improve, you know, in our own life mm-hmm. to be better Christians. And what, what does she say about the Christians and the heavenly crown? What does she say about that? Well, where you was at, it says they would look wistfully, wistfully at that crown, but then they would go back to the other one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, very... like, like Omil was saying, they would reach forward languidly, I guess, timidly for the heavenly crown, but then with the other one, they reached eagerly for the earthly. So that that's that's the person we call straddling the fence. You know what? I'm thinking maybe I'm. It's probably just me, but I'm thinking it's all of us. You know, it's like self won't sit down and stay down. You know what I'm saying? One day you like, I got it going on. You know, praying the Lord. I mean, I'm really praising God. Blah blah blah. And then the next thing you know, you're thinking about, you know, not just thinking about getting ahead. I mean, you know, you like forgot about doing your your Bible study that morning. You didn't do your devotion for three days straight. You know what I'm saying? And it's, mm-hmm. I think it's just like human Satan is constantly, and it's always before you. You know, you have to really watch it because it's always before you hit this beautiful car and you sitting there thinking, wow, you know, this car can talk back to me. It can drive by itself, you know, and stuff. But then if to do that, that may mean I have to work some extra hours. I got to do this. I got to do that to get that, which also may mean on this side, I don't have the time to, you know, really study for God and stuff. And I really know, I believe, I really believe the Bible is so true when it says, seek me first and all these things, what God wants you to have, he'll give it to you. You know, we don't have to do all that struggling, but we get trained, you know, some kind of way we just get trained that we gotta work hard and we gotta do this, we gotta do that and God to bless us, you know. One Mm -hmm. things to us say about the people reaching languidly for the heavenly, but eagerly for the earthly, it shows how much <clears throat> desire they want for the heavenly. It shows how much desire they want for the earthly. It shows how much willpower they are willing to put towards either of those. And it also points out, as the scripture says, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. So a lot of people's heart is in this earth, is not in heaven, even though they may be professed Christians. Omil said, I'll go to church on Sunday, but also on Saturday. Also, on a lot of Christians, their heart is not truly in Christ. It's more in the world. Like they say, you got one foot in the grave and one on the banana peel. So a lot of Christians, <laughs> one foot in church and the other foot on the banana peel. Well, that's why God <laughs> called to the seventh church, the church in the last day, which would include this generation, said that they were rich and increased with goods so much so that they felt like they had need of nothing. Mm-hmm. They were totally mm-hmm. spiritually blinded to their own spiritual condition. And, 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 and the danger is, you know, Bible says, what doth it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? And what will a man give in exchange for that soul? So God has given us plenty of warning, you know, not to be fooled 
buy this thing. God said, I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire so that he can take off, you know, those uh, blinders so you're not fooled and tricked and deceived by the riches of this world because we have to constantly pray. Like Lakita was saying, the, the flesh is warring against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. We have to constantly pray every day, Lord, created me a clean heart and renew the right spirit within me. So I don't get so earthly, uh, you know, keep my yeah, mind. And also, yeah, and also, you know, God is good in, in how he deals with us. You know, it, it talks about letting the wheat and the tares grow together, but there's a specific purpose for that. And the opportunity is before us to allow, as we've been studying with the Holy Spirit, to come into our into our presence and to actually lead and guide us. You know, Christ came, he prepared the way, but we still got to accept what the Holy Spirit is leading us to. I like it that she also talked about in the, in the latter part of that uh, paragraph, the hope that is before us. She says, some became disgusted with the company who sought it so eagerly. They seemed to have a sense of their dangers and turned from it and earnestly sought for the heavenly crown. So we know, yes, these things are transpiring, but it's based upon each individual's uh, relationship with God and the Holy Spirit. And, it's, and it's, you know, I, like, I would like to add on to that. Um, a lot of the things that I read are symbolic. And I look at, you know, what the jewels and the earthly riches are in in people's lives. It may not it may differ from people to people or person to person. Um, what I sow may be differently from another person sowing um, or, or, or what their bend over backwards for, um, that they replace that object or that earthly thing, um, replacing it from God. So it, it, it all depends on who that person is, like Percy says, and, and, and what you're putting and making sacrifices for other than God and his will. Mm -hmm. And though that, that company that she says that became disgusted um, and, and had a sense of their danger and turned from it and earnestly sought for the earthly crown, if she says soon their countenances, and this is uh, in response to one of the questions that you asked, O'Neill, soon their countenance changed from dark to light. So, so, what that is saying is that there will be some who recognize, okay, we're pursuing the wrong thing. This is not what is important. And they're going to turn and per start pursuing those things that are heavenly and that heavenly crown. And she says, then she saw a company next paragraph pressing through the crowd with their eyes intently fixed on the heavenly crown. And she says, as they earnestly urged their way through the disorderly crowd, angels attended them and made room for them to advance. And as they neared the heavenly crown, the light emanating from it shone upon them and around them, dispelling their darkness and growing clearer and brighter until they seemed to be transformed and resemble the angels. They cast not one lingering look upon the earthly crown. Those who were in pursuit of the earthly crown mocked them and threw black balls after them, which she's gonna describe what that is later. But these did them no injury while their eyes were fixed upon the heavenly crown. But those who turned their attention to the black balls were stained with them. 
And then she talks about the following scripture where lay not up, not lay not up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust doth corrupt and where three thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal for where your treasure is. And one of you all said this, there will your heart be also. So um, there will be those who are pressing forward and hopefully we are among that, that group that is pressing forward towards that heavenly crown. But um, if you had a chance to read later on in this chapter, what does she say the black balls were that were being cast upon them by those that were seeking at the earthly, for the earthly crown? Anybody remember? Remember that. Uh, I was going to add a comment on the part up there about the people chasing the, the heavenly crown. And to me, that means that's our our walk of sanctification and oh, yeah. being and striving to be like Christ. And the closer we get to him, the brighter his light shines upon us. And the more we start to shine like stars in heaven uh, through through showing forth his character. And I thought that was very good because... That is how it is as you're walking to Christ. Things seem to get clearer to you. Things seem to get a little brighter spiritually to you. And that light emanates off of you. And other people are blessed by it. And they too want to find the same crown that you're seeking. Oh, yeah. I, I found out. I remember, uh, Karen, those black balls were lies that they were throwing. And, um, you know, bad words. They were talking about the Christians trying to defame them. Right. Right. And some got distracted by that. Like uh, in the Bible, Lot's wife, she looked back and um, she was um, she was instantly turned into a pillar of salt because she got distracted by what was back there instead of looking forward or even like Peter in the Bible. When the Lord, he said, Lord, let me come to you. If it's you, let me come to you. And what happened when he looked away? Anybody remember that? Oh, when he almost fell into the water. He started to sink. He right. Started to sink into the water. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Listen, I thought this was. I don't know. If, I'm sure we passed this, but I thought this this chapter was just so vivid for me. It, mm -hmm. it, um, it says here, and I think this is in, this is, well, I'm way back up at, at um, the first paragraph. So don't y'all go there, but I just, I just thought this was so vivid. The men whose heads were white with age and whose faces were furrowed with care, yet who were eagerly grasping the treasures within the crown, were the age to have but a few years before them. And I was thinking, it just never ends. It never ends. You know, we, you don't put an end to it. This thing will drag us on into the grave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, that's really disheartening to an, or sad, I guess, saddening to an extent is what I want to say. And it also point out, it also oh, points no. out too that we cannot love God and love the world. We have to choose. Are we, do we sincerely love God? Mm -hmm. We'll be going after the heavenly crown. Or do we sincerely love the world? In which case, we'll go after the earthly crown. Now, let me let me let me let me ask this question because I we just want to be clear: Is there anything wrong with being rich on this earth in and of itself? No. No, I was getting ready to say that. 
<laughs> so what I was pointing out was when you sincerely love God, you walk in his light. And when mm -hmm. you the world, mm -hmm. your focus is on the world. And it says you cannot love God and love the world the same. We have to choose. I think Paul said it earlier uh, that we have to choose God first and foremost. But many people get them mixed up. And some people are so mixed up that you can't point out to them that they love the world more than they love God by their actions and by their statements because the devil has them in a trance to think they're still doing right. Absolutely. The way you experience Christ in a relationship is the way I experience food. When I am turned off by healthy food, it's because I'm eating so much unhealthy food. But when I desire a different physical appearance or the way I feel, I change my diet. And although at first the foods that I have to eat becomes the foods that I desire to eat because those are the things that I'm putting into my body. The closer you get to Christ, the more you desire that deepened relationship and the more less that relationship you have or tie or connection you have with the world becomes less and less a deter because you no longer want those things. And I know that sin is going to exist as long as this earth exists. But we do have that hope that when Jesus wipes away, when God wipes away the tears from our eyes, we don't have to worry about anything else. It will be, it'll be all done, finished. Um, mm -hmm. I, have, I, have a, I have a question, even though it's, it's from the previous um, chapter. Um, she said that many, many of the person who were chasing the earth, the corn, were prophets, Christians. And um, just thinking about it, in, in America, in the world right now, majority of the person are not Christians, you know. And and if majority are not Christian, for example, if 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 forty percent out of hundred percent are Christians and sixty percent are not, are not, and she's saying that many of those who, who chase that crown are from the forty percent, and she said many of them. So 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 many of the 40% are, are still chasing the things of the world. And my question is, my question is, what can we do? What can we do as a church, you know, for, to, to help, you know, our members to be more sound-minded or to be, you know, more um, rooted and grounded with our walk with Christ? and not to be professed believers. Anybody want to answer that? Because, because too, you know, when I look at it sometimes, you know, we come to, we go to church every Saturday and, you know, sometimes things seem like a cycle, you know, we come, we do the same thing and we go back. It's like, you know, like things, like our life, things are not changing. What can we do to help somebody who are, you know, in that situation are, you know, to be more rude? Yeah, well, in, in reference to that question and in answer to that question, you're talking about a personal uh, individual's decision to do or to learn or to grow. I think what we're doing, even like with these discipleship classes and the various activities that we are aspiring to do, those are the things that will help them to grow, but it still reigns with them to make a personal decision mm -hmm. to be a yeah. part of it. Uh, we have continually uh, opened up the door for various uh, different uh, ministries uh, 
Um, but again, it's, it's going to be based off of that individual. I think to expand on helping them, though, is a personal relationship that you might have with that individual one-on-one. Um, you know, as we came into the church in the early 70s and 60s, it was because of that one-on-one relationship that drew them. And I think that probably will help in uh, them growing. But again, it's still a personal decision between that individual and, and the Lord. And add on to that, I missed Sabbath school, um, but reading it this, well, missed Sabbath school um, lesson online, but reading the um, quarterly this week um, in reference to the Holy Spirit and praying for the Holy Spirit to move before or beyond your action. So I believe prayer, much prayer and fasting for that individual that the Holy Spirit will touch and they will receive the Holy Spirit before you interact with them. You know what, O'Neill, I found this to be really helpful. Ask that person to pray for you. And, you know, I mean, really ask them to pray for you. And, and that is because now you're connecting them to God, directly to the Lord. And so I think that saying you praying for them and fasting for them and asking God, asking them directly to pray for you or to become your prayer partner. And, um, you know, make your prayers short. And, and sweet and tell you can when I when I have a prayer partner now I can testify to them about what God has done for me and I'm at liberty to say how has God blessed you so that helps them to begin that uh, process of really getting a relationship with God somebody said we need to turn the volume up on uh, Facebook they can't hardly hear um okay I will have to walk in the other room to do that because um, so you all continue the discussion. I'll walk in there and do that. O'Meal, can can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Okay. Uh, I heard a question that you proposed to the class. I'm listening to everyone. Um, when you ask the question, what can we do? What can we do? Uh, the first thing that came to my mind, you know, is this. The very first thing that we do is to pray to God if you have that type of burden and the Lord will impress you to do and to say what is necessary to benefit that individual. Uh, um, The Bible tells us you know, when you, when I, I heard you talk about the percentage of the 60, 40, uh, you classify them. And I, and I know you only given an example. Mm-hmm. Um, when we look at the Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 3, it tells us in the last days uh, when dangerous times shall come. Number one, God has given a warning to us because it's a time period where all these types of behaviors, when you look uh, at that text really closely, is telling you, giving you the one that this type of behavior will be amongst us in the church. And it says that these people have a form of godliness. Now, in our hearts, like Christ, we should want none to perish. 
and how do we reach the people who may have the form of godliness, which we don't know, but God will inspire us to open eyes to see uh, what needs to take place to those individuals. I'm going to say uh, the answer to that is two things. The first thing is in Revelation chapter two, when the Bible tells you, uh, when Jesus explains to the first church, say that you have lost your first love. Love is going to be the key ingredient to helping anyone uh, change and draw closer to Jesus Christ. Jesus said that this is how the world would know that you are my disciples. So if we as the followers of Christ and as the disciples of Christ should make other disciples or, or how we are going to uh, accomplish that mission, even within the church, uh, uh, the first key ingredient is we have to love. We have to love God with all our hearts, love our neighbors as ourselves. And once they see the connection that you have their best interests at heart because you're showing uh, the respect and love of God towards their well-being and their salvation, I think that will pierce their hearts. The second thing is this. Once we have prayed to God, God impressed us to do whatever that is necessary for that individual to be truly saved and not have a form of godliness or whatever the case may be or whatever we are seeing. Once we love on them and we're uh, reacting to God and responding to how God is telling us to deal with that, individ that individual. The second thing is this, we have to make sure we are consistent. It can't be a one-time activity. We have to be consistent and loving because we're, they're hearing the truth if they're among us. They're hearing the word of God if they're in our ranks, meaning if they're in the church, they, they're listening to the word of God. So we just have to be consistent doing one thing, and that is showing the love of Christ. And I hope that that will make things in ministry very simple, uh, where you don't have to try to... Uh, go above and beyond the call of duty, which is going to be not effective because you get in all these suggestions and all of these uh, form of responses and information, which uh, sometimes can be overwhelming even to you uh, to simplify anything. Just listen to the Lord and just do what the scripture says. And that's just the love people. And when we do that, man, uh, you'll find out it is the most effective witness and effective thing that you can do in ministry to help people grow closer to God. That's my thought. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I like and it that you said that, Neil, that you also want to keep in mind what was stated earlier as it pertains to our Sabbath school lesson. It is not your job. It is the Holy Spirit's job to convict and to convert. You do as, as Tori has laid out be what God has called you to be and do what God has called you to be. The rest is in his hands. Absolutely. And I, I, I like what, what, what you mentioned, Tori, about love, because I think that love makes the difference every time. 
and when we exhibit that Christ-like love, I think that makes a difference every time. Um, we're skipping down to paragraph 351.1, where again, she talks about the ones who are the elderly. And their uh, heads were white with age, faces furrowed with care, but they were eagerly continuing to grasp for these treasures in the earthly crown. They only had a few years ahead of them left, but the nearer they came to the grave, the more anxious they were to clasp this, this earthly treasure. And they weren't, she says they weren't even benefiting their relatives or themselves with it. And they didn't use it for anybody's good. It was just enough for them to know that they had it. And uh, that reminds me of the parable in the Bible of the, the, the unfaithful steward who went and buried the treasure in the earth. What good, what good did it do him? What good did it do anybody to be buried in the earth? But yet these, the, those seeking for the earthly crown still continue to, to seek after it. And she says their duty was to use it for God's cause and to relieve the wants of the poor. But like the rich young ruler, when they were presented with their duty, what did they do? Went away sorrowful. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about too how when we're born, you know, and then we're taught how life is, how life's supposed to be, how life should be, you know, by the people around us. Many people are taught that the one with the most toys wins. And that's what they spend their whole life doing, trying to get more and more toys. Even like I said, even you almost uh, about to die or you're sick, you're still trying to get more toys to prove that you were a worthy human being and to prove that you existed in this world. Whereas we know that material goods are all gonna burn up. If you wanna make a real impression and show people that you existed in this world, show some love and kindness to people. people which is, which kindness. is another way of laying up treasure in heaven. Cause like you said, everything exactly. on this earth is gonna burn up. Yeah, it's only so, what you laid up in heaven that's not gonna burn up. So as we Ooh. laid our treasure up in heaven, you know, the people around us who also were taught that the way to win is to get the most toys, they might not see it or recognize it, but God sees it, God recognizes it, and he's accounting it for us uh, in our bank account in heaven. But I see a lot of people who think, uh, unless I, especially if you look at the black community, I mean, little poor kids are taught, wow, look at him with the fancy car and all the jewelry, and, you know, he got all the girls and she got all the guys chasing her. And we're taught to go after material goods in order to show our self-worth. But our self-worth should be taught, it's not in the things we have, but in the character that we have. And that's mm -hmm. the about our communities and one of the things about life in general. Humans are taught to chase after material goods. What God is trying to teach us, don't chase after material goods, chase after spiritual goods. That's the real will. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Hey, can do you mind if I just interject for a hot second, please? Go ahead, Tori. Um, when we are examining the text and we're listening to each other, and when Jesus have asked us to lay up our treasures in heaven, you know, we ought to ask ourselves a question. Number one, what is our treasure in heaven and how do we prepare for it or lay up that which some of us don't even know the treasure, what that treasure is in heaven? So my thought is this, because we could 
say those things in the text and the scriptures because we have read and we know. Uh, but to apply it, to understand, uh, to gain wisdom from it, it's the Holy Spirit. The treasure is us as human beings. What we should be laying up in heaven, like Christ said, he wished none should perish. We should have that same mindset of Christ. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ. His mindset was to please his father and to help sinners to be saved. That's it. So when we talk about laying up our treasures in heaven, the very first, in my opinion, and what the Holy Spirit have led me to believe is human beings. My family, my two boys and my wife, those are my treasures on earth that I want to see in heaven. And other human beings that have came across uh, uh, our atmosphere and our circle, whereas people have, you have invited to your homes and people homes that you have been invited to, or social gatherings, we should be so concerned uh, with their salvation because when we look at the life of Christ and we look at the message of Christ and the mission of Christ, and if we are the followers of Christ, we should be having the same outcome and same response. Amen. Amen. Absolutely, Tori. To add on to that, you know, when it simply says, um, you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon, God and money. It says you either go love one or hate the other. And that's the fine line that, that people struggle with, is trying to have that balance between uh, loving one or the other or trying to love both. But God says, you're going to have to choose. You got mm -hmm. to choose. You can't mm -hmm. have both. Right. You're going to have to choose you this day whom you're going to serve. But Satan fools us in the, into letting us be comfortable with the form of godliness. Whatever level whatever level of holiness you have, he wants you to be comfortable right there. But God mm -hmm. says, no, you're going to have to be able to give it all up for me. Lay up your treasure in heaven. You know, your character, everything that you do. He said, what will man do for an earthly crown? Man will do everything. You think about Olympians, how they practice day and night for hours for four years just to get an earthly crown. And then it's too difficult for us just to read our Bible for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so we have to put it, put things in the mm -hmm. right perspective. What is heaven really worth? You know, in right. Our I'm glad you made that comparison, Paul, because I was watching a program about extreme athletes. And, 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 and it, it, it just brought a visual to mind of what if we were extreme Christians, meaning that, you know, we trained and worked out and, you know, really put uh, effort into making it to heaven, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, instead right. of, instead of, okay, well, uh, today I'm too busy to open my Bible or, you know, I, I got too many things on my plate today. I rushed out the house or whatever. And I, I, or I just hit the ground running with my work schedule today. And then I, I look up and it's, it's 10 o'clock at night and the news, news comes on and it's like, oh, okay, now I'm too tired to do any of that. You know, whereas yep. extreme athletes, their whole focus is, okay, on training, on eating better and eating right, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on, you know what I'm saying, getting the right amount right. of sleep, all of that right. stuff so that they can be ready for 
the race or or, or whatever their particular sport is. Mm-hmm, exactly. You know, I have a question. And, 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 and the interesting thing about it is that that I'm I'm just gonna finish this thought with extreme athletes. They don't all play the same sport, but the principle applies with all of them. The ones that are the extreme athletes, the winning athletes, the one that that are in it to win it. Mm-hmm. The, their method is the same. Right. I have a question. So I was, uh, Tori, I was uh, a little confused because I always thought that uh, your treasures was a good works and that we do these good works and that there is a um, remaining of treasure in heaven with that. And the good works can possibly lead to your soul being saved, but I didn't ever really think, and I guess I'll think about it and try to do some studying on it, that the souls, um, you know, that, that people who come to Christ I know we will get a, a star in our crown for them, but I didn't know that that was a treasure that we were laying up in heaven. So I'm just that's confused by the two. You're confused by the two. Yeah, that um, is. Maybe, well, maybe I didn't understand what you what, were saying. Well, when you talk about laying up treasures in heaven, uh-huh. number one. If when you look at our, our lives here on earth and and if someone to ask you that question, you know, how do you lay up a treasure in heaven? You here on earth and you think about that, you know, uh, you think about what is the most important thing to you. Uh, of course, it would be your own salvation, but also, you know, uh, when you look at the ministry factor, of laying up anything in heaven or to prepare something to be in heaven with you. Uh, It should be, you know, according to uh, what Jesus himself as an example have shown us. Um, And you got the right idea when you said that, you know, the starless crowns and what that represent. Um, When we look at uh, some of the things we have learned already today, this evening, as Paul and Percy and, and your husband and Karen have even mentioned, you know, the things we just learned this evening about how the earthly possessions, uh, the corruptible things that, that we know we can't take to heaven, uh, these are not some of the things that we should be trying to live for and where Satan has deceived and distract our focus on the real prize. You know, I used to watch this show called The Eye of the Prize on Channel 9 all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it always, re- okay. Uh, when, we, when we look at even things in our culture, uh, uh, how many people donate to Haiti or Africa or where are we, and I think, uh, what Paul and uh, the conference leaders is always how we stress tithe and offering so much is because we want to be able to send ministers all over the world so they can get the gospel. Now, we know we have the technology now where it's virtual, it is the internet, and we got all sorts of forms, a way of doing that now. But that's still one of the main reasons why you know, it is important for us to return our time off because we want the gospel to reach uh, souls that has not been introduced or either souls who have been introduced but have not completely 
submit it, uh, submit themselves to uh, to the Lord to have a relationship and to be saved uh, truly. So when we talk about, in my opinion, about that, I hope this sums it up, or you get a clearer uh, individual. Um, I personally believe doing this, uh, it um, help us develop character because uh, once we follow Christ and do the things what Christ did, it helped, you know, by beholding him, we become changed. And as we're changing, you know, uh, from the Holy Spirit by engaging in uh, being led by uh, the Holy Spirit and doing those things, we will find earthly treasure, which in my opinion is, is us. Because if you look at the world uh, that God created, the most precious thing that he ever put here is human beings. And since we are in his likeness after his image, we shouldn't want anyone to be lost because we know it is only the trick of the devil. And the Bible even tells us that hell was only created for him. So I hope that uh, give you a clear picture. This is just my heart, uh, my treasure, uh, what I'm going to be trying to store up in heaven, uh, which is my own working out my own salvation with fear and trembling and helping somebody else, especially when it comes to my own personal family. And uh, God has shown me some few other little things uh, regarding to that. But if that's not clear, then I, I would just pray that uh, the Holy Spirit will uh, give you the revelation and also myself uh, a little bit more deeper so we can understand and we can come back in dialogue uh, at another point and uh, share our thoughts. Okay. All right. Um, let's move on. Um, uh, Before you move on, I was thinking too, whenever I read that verse about lay up your treasures in heaven, that is a metaphor for, for all that we do in accordance with Christ's will. Everything that we do according to God's will is laying up treasures in heaven. Everything that we do according to the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding is laying up treasure in heaven. So uh, I don't know that it's necessarily where you actually are putting stuff up there. And I'm not saying that's what anyone was saying, but I look at it as everything that God calls us to do is part of laying up treasure. So it comes in so many different ways, whether that's witnessing to others, studying, preaching, teaching, uh, hot, uh, being hospitable, being kind, doing unto others. All of those things would go under the heading of laying up treasures in heaven. So basically, where's your main focus? What are you focusing on the most? What has your attention? I remember years ago, I was in a, in a multi-level marketing company called Miller Luca. And I had the, my eyes had wide eyes on how I was going to make a fortune doing this thing. And I really... To be a good salesman, you have to really believe in the products. You know, I live, sleep, breathe Melaleuca. And it was beyond my wildest imagination to even begin to be able to understand and comprehend how anybody could not even be in Melaleuca. Everybody I saw, I talked about Melaleuca. When they saw me, they said, here comes Melaleuca. 
And a lot of people in my downline. I was I even transformed my whole dining room into a meeting hall. I had my screens, my weekly meetings, and everything. But that was because I had my mind fixed and focused on that prize, being successful in the, successful in that business. So I said, if I take that whole thing, see, when I did that, that really choked out the word because I couldn't concentrate on the word. I couldn't bring people into the church because I was focused on that. That's what had my attention. And this is what it's talking about, laying up treasure in heaven. When you lay up treasure in heaven, that's going to be just the opposite. You're going to have that same zeal and everything for the, for the kingdom, trying to get people into the kingdom. You're focusing, you're reading, you're studying. And that is the, the, the influence that God wants us to have. You can't do both. It's impossible to have that same zeal for two things, for the world and for God. You got to choose which one you're going you're gonna to focus on. Let me say this real fast. Uh, what you said, uh, Paul, and what you uh, interjected to uh, Elder Carroll, those are the things that we do. That's how, those are the evidence what we've shown that we are laying up our treasures in heaven but understand who you're doing it for uh, and that's the what that's the what what we're doing praying studying blah 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 the the the, the focal point the product the product is people because we don't want people to be lost so we are do those things that is necessary because number one we got our instruction from god but the what the treasure what is it then you ask yourself that question. And, and let me interject on that as well. When I, and this is just a personal opinion uh, based upon where God has placed upon my heart. When I'm thinking about laying up treasures, the only thing that I've always heard of, always understood that we would take with us to heaven is our character. The development of our character is what God is working on. And hence he's saying, lay up treasures in the development of your character. I agree with Tori also, though, in respect, because he commissioned us to go and tell others. So we want them to have the same development uh, to be taken to heaven with them. So I think from my perspective, perspective is the development of our characters, that our characters, our, our treasure is truly the change, the transition from this sinful life to a, a heavenly life, which can only be done through our character. And, and Paul already did say it. He said, "Where your, I think it was Paul that said it, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so where, if, we, if we've laid our heart up in heaven, then good works will follow, you know, Amen. what we do. But I think that, really you know, not, we, when, really can't, we really cannot say we can put effort into teaching other people, but we have absolutely no control over if people respond or if they are found in heaven. Absolutely, but what we can they're not do, there if they're not what, there. Hold on for a moment. Right, if they're not there. Those whom we have labored for, that does not mean we don't have treasure in heaven. Right, but but we also know that there will be no starless crowns in heaven. We know so that. we have to we have to have taken someone with us, at least Thank one you. person with us. And so Amen. the Lord Amen. says, behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give every man according to as his work has been. Well, the reward that God is giving, first of all, is going to be eternal life for, for, for our efforts. That's, that's our, our, our own eternal life for our efforts. You know, we read here where the people clamoring for the earthly crown, they didn't, do, they didn't use it for their own good. So 
part of this is 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 we we are a part of our reward is going to be eternal life for ourselves but the other part of it as tori said it the other part of the reward is we're going to have crowns with stars in them of those that it's some some of the people we may not even know like we're doing this program right now there may be people listening that we don't even know but their that their star will be in our crown because of this discussion or these classes or these discipleship classes we don't know that part but that's what our reward reward will be um uh, that will differentiate us from the loss first of all because we have eternal life but will differentiate us from even others in heaven because the, our star will be for someone we brought in and there may be other people will have stars, but it'll be for someone they brought in or someone's plural that they brought in. So um, I think that um, Tori's right on point in that regard. Um, but I think that also Lakita, yes, our, our works do follow us. I would suggest I'm just reading a, a couple of verses out of um, Mac, Matthew Henry's um, commentary about this um, verse. And mm -hmm. the one thing that I have read so far that really sticks out is that when you speak of things of this earth, I imagine that these things of the earth will decay and will not be taking or be taking up to heaven with us. So when you think of treasures, it goes beyond just um, physical things. It is our character, of course. But also when you talk about evangelizing to people well evangelizing to your families is a talent is a gift and it's also a ministry those things i believe and it has reference to being in character that we will be taking but what really stands out is the treasures that we are looking at here on earth as tangible things they're going to burn up and they are they can decay those things are not going to be taken up into heaven. So I think we're all right in, in, in the respect of what we're trying to understand what treasures are. But I would suggest to um, Mac Henry has, Matthew Henry has a really lengthy um, article on treasures. And as it pertains to this verse, I would suggest you guys go in and read that. So, like okay. it says, when where where rust and moth cannot corrupt, you know, cars and, and physical things can can uh, wear out a suit or wherever can wear out. But when your focal point, it says, if your eye, if your right eye offends pluck it out. It, you know, it's basically saying that your heaven is should be such a focal point and prize so much that if you have to go in blind or lame it was it would be worth it and so i was trying to get our minds and focus on on heavenly things because god, god already promised us he would give us the power to do greater works than he even did and when you realize heaven god made such a sacrifice you're going to try and evangelize you're going to try and tell everybody that you know to have that same zeal that's where your treasure is, is in heaven. Everything that you're focusing on is on heaven. But you know what? Like the song says, if heaven was never promised, it still would be worth just living, having the Lord in my life. Hmm. Man. Okay. 
Okay, um, let's move on because we're going to finish out in just a few minutes. Um, um, it, it's still in paragraph 351.1. She talks about these, as, as she's concluding about these elderly white-headed people that are still clamoring for this earthly crown. She says they would gladly, when God's cause was presented before them uh, and their duty to relieve the wants of the poor and to sustain God's cause, they were sorrowful. But it said they would gladly accept the gift of everlasting life as long as it didn't cost them anything. Who, who wouldn't accept the gift of something as long as it didn't cost us anything? But truthfully, Jesus has already paid the price. It doesn't, it's not gonna cost them anything. And uh, my husband always likes to say that it is easier, when the question is asked, is it easier to be saved or is it easier to be lost? And he always says, it's easier to be saved because Christ has already done everything that it takes to save us. All we have to do is accept that gift and walk in that, in his, in his path. Well, I think that's putting it in the same context of the rich young ruler. You know, all of us are going to heaven as long as we don't have to give up earth. Mm, yeah. Just like, just like they told uh, Tiger Woods. They said, oh, man, I, I, I would give anything to be able to put like you, to be able to drive the ball like you. And he said, no, you wouldn't. Mm. He said, if mm. you, you would do it if you didn't have to get up at three o'clock <laughs> in the morning and get 500 <laughs> balls until your hands <laughs> went to the clubhouse, wrapped them up, Absolutely. and then practice another five hours. Absolutely. And so that's what she's, that's what these people are saying. You know, they yes. want heaven, but they don't want to give up anything. They don't want to sacrifice any comfort of this earth to obtain heaven. It's like, it's like two children. One is disobedient and one is obedient. But yet That's still, the disobedient child wants all of the all of the favors and reward right of the of the obedient child and have no desire to even obey or help their parents at all. Right. Or how many how many people who are grossly overweight would love to have just a pill that you could take, you know, and then everybody continue eating the same way they ate before. Mm -hmm. The same habits that they had before. Mm -hmm. Well, that's one of the issues with following Christ. Uh, he has already paid the price, but we still have to be willing to sacrifice ourselves for it. And people don't want to sacrifice themselves. We're all greedy and selfish, born in sin, shaped in iniquity. And as we just read, I don't want to give up what I want to do to get it, but I still want it. I just don't want to give up my life to obtain the heavenly life but christ says they that give their life shall receive it absolutely absolutely i'm going to touch on about three more points and then we're going to close out for today uh paragraph 351.2 talks about the many that are self-deceived and that they have not sought for truth as for hidden treasures and you know what we're probably all, maybe I'm just going to say this, all guilty of that a little bit. We have not sought for truth as if there was a, it, it was a treasure buried and we knew it was there, you know, and we knew, we knew for certain it was there. And we knew that if we just possessed it, we would have great wealth. We haven't sought for truth like that. And it said their powers are not put to the best account. Their minds, which might be illuminated with heaven's light, are perplexed and troubled. 
the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. We've heard a parable about that, haven't we? About um, the, the seeds that fell um, and, and the word was choked out. We've heard that parable. And uh, such the angel said are without excuse. I saw the light waning away from them. They did not desire to understand the solemn important truths for this time and thought they were well off without understanding them. Their light went out and they were groping in darkness. Next paragraph, she says, the multitude of deformed and sickly pressing for the earthly crown are those whose interests and treasures are in this world. And although they are disappointed on every side, they will not place their affections on heaven and secure to themselves a treasure and home there. They fail of the earthly, yet while in pursuit of it, they lose the heavenly. Notwithstanding the disappointment and unhappy life and death of those who are wholly bent on obtaining earthly riches, others follow in their same course. They rush madly on, disregarding the miserable end of those whose example they have followed. And then the last two paragraphs, those who are urging, now, now she's switching to those who are seeking after a heavenly crown. She says, those who are urging their way through the crowd for the heavenly crown attended by holy angels were shown me to be God's faithful people. Angels led them on and they are inspired with zeal to press forward for the heavenly treasure. And then she talks about the black balls, which we already discussed a little bit earlier in the next chapter. But she says, we should take the greatest care to live a blameless life and abstain from all appearance of evil and then it is our duty to move boldly forward and pay no regard to reproachful falsehoods of the wicked. And she says, while the eyes of the righteous are fixed upon the heavenly priceless treasure, we will become more and more like Christ and thus will be transformed and fitted for translation. And, and, and I'm going to even add, Lee, um, since you, we were talking about uh, the latter rain, that we will be fitted to receive the latter rain. Man. Amen, everybody. Anybody, any comments? Any final comments, anybody? I think about that uh, parable of the hidden treasure and the man uh, hid that treasure in the field and then the man sold and he went out and, 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 and uh, sold everything, his house, everything to get that field. They, people thought he was crazy. Mm. But he knew the treasure that that field uh, contained and he was willing to sell and sacrifice everything in order to obtain mm -hmm. it. And I think that's what God wants us to do when we finally realize right. the treasure, what God has, has offered us. Absolutely. One of the things too, you had mentioned, uh, we should take great care to live a blameless life mm -hmm. and abstain from all appearance of evil and be like Christ when he said, who can fault me for anything? Which of you convicts me of sin? Because he knew he had lived a blameless life. And he's mm -hmm. called us to sacrifice our own desires and sacrifice our own selfish wants to live a blameless and exemplary life so that we can point others to Christ and him crucified. And again, that's what it cost us mm -hmm. is sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Omil, were you trying to say something? Yeah, I was just I, I wanted to say that if you, if you if you take in consideration a treasure, um, you know, not anything you put inside a treasure is 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 the thing that is most valuable, you know, the most precious stones, 
And um, think of, if we think of ourselves as treasures, you know, you think about what is inside us. Do we have Christ inside us? Because at the end of the day, it is what inside us that's gonna last forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Tori, did you have something to say? No, go ahead, Karen. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Uh, Lee, uh, where are we studying next week? All right. Next week in Last Day Events, we're on Chapter 15. And it's going to talk about the only two classes of people on earth when Christ returns. Anybody know what two classes it is? The saved yeah. and the lost. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll find out next week. So read chapter 15 in the book and come prepared with your thoughts. Okay. So uh, you guys already would... read the loud cry? Yeah, we did yes. last week. Uh -huh. We're up to chapter oh, 15. Okay. okay. Okay, Paul, do you mind closing us out with prayer? Okay. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so grateful and thankful, Lord, for this time that we have spent, Lord, delving into your word, feeding off of your word, Lord. We're thankful for your Holy Spirit, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that our minds will stay sober, Lord, and we will not be deceived by the riches of this world, but we'll keep our eyes and hearts stayed upon thee. Lord, we pray that we will be the true disciples of you, Lord, to show someone the good uh, life, Lord Jesus, for you said, oh, taste and see that I am good, Lord Jesus. So we want to be testaments to that, Lord, for you said in your word where there's no cross, there can be no crown, Lord. So we, whatever we have to sacrifice on this earth, it will be cheap enough. So we just thank you, Lord. Bless us and help us to be faithful to thee as I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Thank you all those online who were watching and uh, we will hopefully see you next week. All by right. God's grace. Thanks. <laughs>